To Oriana, it seemed so small, so ridiculously and unnervingly small that she felt compelled to rub her eyes. It had to be an illusion. The truer, more sensible, more realistic proportions would surely be reinstated after a good blink. But there it was still, nestled in a fold of land which looked soft enough to be made of fabric. Like biscuit crumbs in a scrunched napkin, there was the small town outside which she'd grown up. She pulled the hire car into the verge. She didn't want to get out. She wanted to avoid familiar smells that might make it seem real. She didn't want to hear anything that might say, Well, welcome back, Duck. She wanted to believe that she had no history with this mini-place and no need of it. It looked silly being so small. Not worth a detour. Certainly not worth a visit. Not worthy even of a drive right through. This wasn't Lilliput. This wasn't romantic. This was nowhere. Nowhere, also known as Blenthrop, Derbyshire. The worst thing about this bastard place striking Oriana as being so small was that it made the rest of the world feel so vast. And suddenly she felt isolated, acutely alone and terrifyingly far away from the place she'd called home for so many years, the place she'd left only the previous day. God bless America, she said under her breath, though she knew she'd never go back. Driving to her mother's house was easier because she'd never lived there. There was little to recognise, nothing to flinch at. She was unknown, and that was preferable to intrusive welcomes and waves, however warm and well-meaning Blenthrop folk might be. The further she drove from her childhood home, the longer the space she could finally create between her ears and her shoulders. As she relaxed a little, the car seat felt more comfortable and her headache lifted. Really, jet lag had nothing to do with the tension, and now that the anxiety had dissipated, Oriana let the genuine tiredness billow over her the way her mother used to waft her duvet when she was a little girl, giggling in bed waiting for it to land. They call it a comforter in the United States, she thought. My mom's gone all sheets and blankets because she says it makes the bed look properly made. My mom, the all-American girl who's now as small-town English as they come. The tiredness, the tiredness. Should she pull over? Half an hour left to Hathasich. Open the window. Turn the radio up another notch. Drink Coke. Pinch yourself awake. Pinch yourself that you really are here again. Eighteen years on, kick yourself, wondering if it's a stupid idea, really. Oriana's mother didn't know what to do. Her daughter was sleeping, and though she told her mother not to let her under any circumstances, what was Rachel to do? Her daughter, wan and sunken-eyed, too thin. Rachel looked in at the front room. Oriana was curled embryonically into a corner of the sofa, her hands tucked tightly between her thighs, the tips of her socks hanging limply a little way off her toes. The heel of her right sock was twisted to her ankle, a 
as if her shoe had wanted to cling on to her feet. Her hair looked lank and flat, and her lips were chapped. She wasn't wearing earrings. She'd spilled something on her top. This wasn't jet lag, Rachel sensed. This was exhaustion. Rachel had done that trip back to America often enough since she herself emigrated from there, age 19. She knew well that, though jet lag made you feel discombobulated, it didn't make you look like that, how Oriana had looked on arriving an hour ago. When Rachel had opened the door to her daughter, she read in half a glance all the unrevealed secrets and sadness that had slipped unnoticed between the lines of her sporadic emails. On her doorstep, Rachel saw how the crux of it all was suddenly writ large over Oriana's face.